0: Welcome to another episode of Alia Money Talks. I uh, am thrilled to have another show here, and I've got a lot of great episodes planned, uh, including a, a focus, um, a big focus uh, for Olim, which is employment. Um, we're going to talk to a bunch of different Olim that have many different experiences, different jobs, different ideas around employment, uh, and, you, and, and you should subscribe so you don't miss an episode. There's going to be a lot of uh, great, great content. With that, I'm uh, very excited to introduce today's guest, Daniel uh, Rosehill. Daniel Rosehill is a a marketing consultant, a YouTuber, uh, absolutely brilliant writer. uh, And uh, welcome to the show, Daniel. Why don't you tell us about yourself, about your Aliyah journey, and uh, a little bit about what you do?
1: Thanks, Aaron. Um, I think this is the first time I've ever been described as a a YouTuber. I'm not not sure how to feel about that identity. I'm I'm a rookie videographer, and uh, I actually love YouTube but I don't have that YouTube personality going yet. So, um, I am on there. Um, and yeah, I <laughs> Your made- videos are <laughs> great. <laughs> They're a work in progress. Um, I made Aliyah from Ireland, uh, seven years ago. Um, I live in Jerusalem and as you said, uh, marketing consulting is probably a better description for what I do now. I did start out doing really freelance writing, uh, for the first number of years. Uh, cause as you know, I'm sure that's such a big area in Israel. Um, and then I sort of branched out a little bit more into the strategy area of marketing as well as a little bit of writing here and there but um, yeah that's pretty much what I do. I'm atmaE. I have written about atma issues uh, particularly as they relate to Israel and yeah I'd love to love to share some of the roller coaster ride.
0: So let's jump right into that. Um, when you first you know started to set up your own business in Israel, Register as an atomai. What what are some of the, the, the troubles that you ran into? What are the challenges to getting that process going?
1: Yeah, so the thing about registering as an attsumai is you probably can do it all yourself. If you start at the osak Pato level, uh, which you know most people are unless you have to be an osak Moshe, you probably can open your teak, you probably can do I never did the reporting myself, but I did open the teak myself. However, what I would say is that you know if it's if this is gonna be your income, it's a balagan. You don't need and it's very risky it's very easy to uh, misreport stuff and create a real headache for yourself so um, i've always used an accountant i did actually start the uh, teak opening process myself and then later uh, hired an accountant to do it so for me actually it's always been not always minus a year it's, it's been my uh, full-time income so um, yeah, there weren't really any um, difficulties. You know, most atmaim will be asked for a hatzarat hon at some stage. I was asked for mine in the first year, which is you know a capital statement report. Uh, my accountant prepared that for me. Um, there's, I mean, as an atmaim, there's just kind of a lot of little things you have to get right. And when you move up from Osek Bator to Osek Moshe, with if if it's a full time income for most people, you you hope to get. Uh, Past that threshold because it's only about 8,000 shekels per month. Um, so, if you're providing for a family, you know, most people will probably have to be Osek Moshe if they're going down the my yeah. route sooner or later. You know, at that stage, you have to file reports for MAM. That's, uh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm sure most people know these acronyms, but just in case anyone doesn't, that's VAT uh, tax. Uh, you have to do Masak Nasa. my now have to have a pension, so you need to be contributing to a pension. And um all those things are processes that it gets a bit more complicated as you go through it, not to speak to anything of the right. American aspect, which I can't speak to, obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna skip that that for this conversation. Um yes, that's US tax is a, a whole that's whole a, that's different volume. Yeah. Um anyways, so if if we kind of look at your, your work, um why have you decided to focus on the international market? You know, why, why would you recommend that people broaden out and not just uh, focus at home? How is that, you know, how has your experience mm. been, been with that?
1: So I think that having an Atsumai Teak open, right? Once you open your Teak, once you have uh, got your green invoice, which is what I use for accounting, but whatever, whatever people want to use. And once you have English as your language, now whether you're, you can be doing UX work, or sales consulting, or marketing work, or whatever. There's there's a lot of limitations that come to being an atsmye. You don't get your employer handling your pension. Um, there's a lot of disadvantages, but there is one big advantage, and that's that you can work with clients really anywhere in the world, except if they're one of the uh, officially defined enemy states that, uh, Israel has. And I don't think probably most people are no, going to be in that situation. No area, no
0: North Korea. Right,
1: right. right, Exactly. You're not, you're, unless you have like a, right. Unless you're um, doing content writing for the North Korean nuclear program, you're probably, uh, you're probably okay. So for most people, I think there is an advantage to uh, looking beyond the Israeli market. Um, I haven't ever like sought to exclude Israel, just that I've sort of uh, marketed, worked with other clients in other geographies. And what I've written about is really saying to people, a lot of people will say working with uh, foreign clients is too complicated. There's currency pro- there's currency fluctuations and they don't know if it's uh, legally okay. Again, I can't talk about the US situation, but I've worked his clients in Denmark, Hong Kong, Singapore, the US, the UK, Ireland, a few other countries. And I haven't had any real issues uh, except for the fact that the US dollar rate has gotten worse and that then becomes a question of, okay, do I need to adjust my rates for, for my client? And that can be as easy as just giving them a new quote because you don't need to tell them that you're doing it because uh, the currency is, has gone against your favor. But I don't think it's, it, I haven't had any complications. And I think that it opens a whole, literal literally opens a whole world of opportunity for uh, English speakers based in Israel, because we have the language barrier for Hebrew. So this is one of the advantages that we have. And I think it's a pity not to use it by just focusing uh, exclusively on Israel.
0: And on, a, on a bigger world, right? So if, if we nailed it down on that, uh, that issue as far as exchange rates, you, one of the ways you deal with that is kind of being a little bit more uh, willing to adjust your, your quotes, your price quotes to, to, to potential clients. Uh, as exchange rates adjust, that's kind of the way you, you mitigate that.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's it's not a huge difference. I mean, it, the U.S. dollar maybe, but the level of biz, the level of scale I'm at, which is literally a one-person business, uh, it's a microscopic business unit, um, you know, maybe charging, let's say, a thousand dollars a month to one client, right? It, it's not a huge difference uh, if you're getting payment over TransferWise and uh, sorry, well, Wise Wise.com now. Um, so I actually haven't really done that. I have thought about it. But uh, I think it's something that, that, that you could do, um, absolutely. Or you could just probably be transparent and say, look, I'm building a new USD. Or you could fix the rate. Another thing that I've heard you can do uh, is fix the rate in uh, shackles And your client will okay. do the conversion into their currency and send that across. So there's various ways to get around Reduce it. It's not, risk, a, right? it's not a reason not to do it, in my opinion.
0: Right. And I guess if you're when you're trying to appeal to people beyond Israel, um, how do you kind of shape your writing, your, your marketing efforts to be a little bit more international?
1: Sure, that's a, that's a really good question. So um, I would probably say it's having a mixture of I mean, if you're looking to do this, um, it's probably not a good idea. I, I would probably not recommend saying, you know, we're here to help Israeli startups market to the world because you kind of just said that's who you work with. Um, it's not mm-hmm. an approach for everyone. Some people are going to be very well served by focusing in Israel. Some people actually really like it. They don't like the remote aspect of freelancing. They want to be able to visit their clients, and I think that's totally fine. Uh, if you're not looking to, I wouldn't say like pigeonhole yourself or just work with Israel, um, what would probably be helpful would be a couple of case studies and clients who aren't Israeli. You know, a lot of people have Wix, Payoneer, etc., cetera, who farm out a lot of work on their website and all Israeli references. And probably if you could have one or two non-Israeli clients just to show that you're open to working with different geographies. You could mention I work with clients in different countries, and uh, that's another way of communicating. I've never hid the fact that I'm based in Israel from any client uh, that I've worked with. But um, I think if you show that you're open to working with all geographies, that'll send the right message to those potential clients.
0: I don't know if there's a question you want to answer, but have you ever gotten uh, any sort of pushback or uh, anger or uh, resentment of, oh, I don't want to do business, or oh, you're in I not realize you're an like, I, I realize
1: I, I you're I Israel? I've never had it openly, and I don't think anyone would be stupid enough to say in an email, you're based in Israel, <laughs> that's it, We're, because that would create a scandal <laughs> for their company. I would say I have suspected a couple of times where deals went, you know, de- uh, deals, I'm, I'm not using this to sound like million dollar uh, contracts, you know, (laughs) potential freelancing opportunities that kind of went sour for no reason that made sense to me. And I kind of suspected maybe the Israel thing. There's definitely the potential for political perceptions. I think it's more likely. I think this is a challenge we all face the people based in Israel. You're a foreign entity for someone based in the US. They might not know you're actually an English speaker uh, or you're a native English speaker if you do marketing work. And, you know, they might say, well, why would we want to send this work out to Israel? Like it's a place in the desert. I think those perceptions are old fashioned. I don't think it's that common to have them anymore, but it's definitely, I reckon that's probably more of an explanation. So I don't, I think the Israel branding is great in the tech world. Sure. There are people who uh, really dislike Israel. They might not work for you for that reason, but I don't think it's a—it's uh, too much of an issue for White people. Print. Yeah. Got it.
0: Great. So... You know, one of the other issues with with being an atsmye is kind of managing billing and bookkeeping and, and collections and and these kind of challenges. You know, obviously you you spoke about the help that you get from from uh, an accountant, mm-hmm. but you know, speak speak more to how you manage your your billing and and that kind of uh, that kind of thing.
1: Sure. So um, I've been using Green Invoice for the past probably four years at this point. I lose track of how long I've been I've been doing this. They recently upgraded their uh, UI. It's beautiful. It's really, really nice.
0: Yes. Um,
1: that's it. I mean, they don't have an English interface. I, for a while, did when their English um, support wasn't so good, by which I mean that, like, you'd create an invoice. And sometimes, I think it was an old bug I would send out in Hebrew to an English client. So for a while, right. I used Wave, one of the, you know, international accounting softwares in parallel. And I didn't send the Wave um invoices receipts to my clients. That ended up being complicated and green invoices gotten a lot better. The English works really um. well. So that's really all I use. I did start working with the bookkeeper only in the last month or two. I did it for myself <laughs> after becoming Osek Moshe, I did it myself for a year. And I would kind of recommend against that because the rules for what you can deduct for VAT and what you can d- deduct for massachnas are slightly different. And bookkeepers know all these nuances. You can either end up being not compliant and getting fined or screwing up your deductions, deducting more than you should or deducting less than you should. So I did it for myself for a year. And then um, when I, I took on a couple more clients, I've always been kind of in this weird gray zone of feeling uncertain. Do I want to be an SMIE? Do I want to go back to a job? So I think part of that was not committing to uh, bookkeeping as an extra expense. Um, but I did that recently. So I'm sort of in the e. Uh, area for the moment. And it's definitely, you know, it's like anything, if you can afford it for your business, it's another headache saved. So I think if you can right. afford a bookkeeper, it's uh, definitely, yes. so that's what I do now. I just send my receipts and invoices into a folder and the bookkeeper uh, does all the reporting. Yes. They can actually do it for you, for Masak and Mam, and you can even set up a horat keva for automatic deduction. So you're really kind of going from Doing everything yourself, setting yourself calendar alerts on the sixteenth. I need to do my MAM report. I need to do my Masaf Nasar report every two months. Meet them out to just putting in your stuff up to Google Drive, and someone does it for you. So it's really a huge difference okay. yeah. from a um, it. from a work standpoint.
0: It's, it frees up your time a lot. So yeah, exactly. speak, yeah, yeah. So if you if you uh, like, you're dealing with international clients, you're dealing with time zones all over the world. I mean, uh, how do you manage that? Do you, especially if you're dealing with lots of different time zones, it's not like you're just dealing with California. You're not just dealing with, uh, Australia, you know, yeah. how do you, how do you deal with all kinds of different clients all over the world?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I've never actually really had, had like a ton of clients at any one time. I think the most I've had has been, um, five or six at one time. I know some people with okay. like, like 10, 15 clients. I find that very difficult um yes and you know typically a couple of those were israeli and then maybe one or two clients overseas um i mean israel's time zone right we're gmt plus two so we're on the same time zone as eastern europe which isn't so helpful um from from us it's good for israelis for offshoring work because it makes it an easy time zone uh, to send out development work to and that's become a big thing um south africa is actually on the same time zone if i'm not mistaken we've got parts of russia and i think that's about it So if we think about what time zones are good to work with, the difference with Europe is only one or two hours, minus two is UK and Mm -hmm. Ireland, they're minus two, Central Europe's minus one. If you go plus to get over to India and China, there are a few hours ahead in Australia. So certain time zones are kind of hard. Um, I've had a couple of clients in uh, the US, you know, one on EST. PST Pacific time is really hard to work with and I, know there are with people that, yeah. who, I think end up having a really yeah. bad quality of life as Olean because they go down this route, they for whatever reason, pick up work on the West coast and you know, and they're, you're working after, around, they're yeah. up to like midnight or one in the morning doing calls, whatever. So the West coast is the one I feel a bit shaky about. I think the right. only solution is what's called, you know, asynchronous communication. If you have clients who will work with you by email and they don't need calls that frequently, that's one solution. But um, I think if it's a, you know, that that's a hard time right. zone. Australia and New Zealand are, is kind of tricky as well. So, we you know, from well. Israel, yeah. we have time zones that work well, we have time zones that work less well, and uh, we also have async. So if you can find clients who are happy to do Loom, um, what else is there, Loom, email, whatever, even send you WhatsApp voice notes, uh, and they don't need to meet that regularly Thanks. over Zoom, that can right. be- Right, more- and
0: schedule meetings, earlier in the day for them, which is, which is, you know, not too late for you and stuff like that. Uh, right. Make right. It work. They're, they're,
1: they're kind yeah. of work brands. but I think it's, uh, for me, I just kind of acknowledge that it's a difficult time zone and unless, unless the clients I can tell are going to be flexible to understand it. They they know how big the time, do- time zone difference is. They're okay with it. Uh, I'd rather not do it for the most part.
0: Very cool. So, to kind of sum it up, you know, what are what are some of the other major downsides of being being self-employed? You know, being an Atsumai, working in your own home office. You know, what are the different uh, kind of things you have to warn people that are that are thinking about, uh, you know, getting getting rid of their nine to six job and and yeah. you know, becoming self-employed?
1: I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, potential limitations, and I think it's important to be. Uh, Transparency about that. So, you know, one of them is you mentioned working in a home office. Some people would hate that. I personally don't mind it, but some people hate the idea of working from home. Um, the I actually struggle more with the disconnection thing, which is kind of when you're oh, I find only remote relationships kind of hard to deal with. So I'm actually okay with working from a home office. And this is actually a good reason for working with Israeli clients versus international ones. Even if you see your clients once every two weeks, you know, Aaron, you've met Aaron, you've had coffee with Aaron, it, it makes it a whole different relationship. Uh, so I'm actually a big fan of that increasingly, the hybrid work model. Um, so with that, yeah, working from home, some people hate it. We've got all the administrative stuff. Um, you have to pay both sides of your betuach me. You can't get perks like a Karen mood paid for by the employer. Uh, you, have to do, you have to pay for your own accounting. You have to factor in expenses. You have to, the time zone. And more than that, you're kind of a disposable asset for companies, right? That's A lot of companies hire, that's my aim, because they want to fill in uh, manpower for a project and then get rid of them. So that's the a, trick is kind right. of avoiding clients like that. Depending on your industry, that can be tough. Uh, I, find free, I find freelance writing, to be honest, a very difficult way to make a good living. <clears throat> I find shifting out of that was a big step forward for me. So, but, you know, if you're a freelance Java developer, it could be a really, really well-paid area, and that's not a concern. So it's going to be different for, uh, for different people, really. And then there's little different things, like, you know, um, as, an, as an employee, you might get invited to the office. Uh, you, kef, you might get a bottle hmm. of wine for the Hakeem, and those little things, those are actually small things that can give people a real sense of belonging to a company. So it, going into this, um, I think you need to really think about all those points. And that's another reason why I think community building for atzmaim, which we've, which you have a little bit of in Israel, can actually be really helpful. So um, it's definitely a lot to handle, and it's the harder path. It's easier to be a Safir, I would say, in pretty much any circumstance.
0: Okay, so then just to just I'm going to ask you on the flip side, uh, kind of some some of the advantages to to uh, being self employed and 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 uh, you know being your own boss in some some sense.
1: Right. So that, that aspect of being your own boss thing has never actually really sort of appealed. Like, I think that's kind of a misconception in that as an my okay. you're know, working for your clients. So you're always working for somebody mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, the advantage I would say is that there's a professional advantage in that you might get, um, different work experience than you would get in Israel. And that comes back to the international thing. You know, there's no reason. And I think this would be great for a lot of people. You can find a client in London. And you might need to visit them, you know, two times a year. But that could actually be a great experience, right? You get on a plane for a few out. hours yeah. and that really kind of shakes things up a bit in terms of it might be good for your career to kind of dip into the Israeli market and also dip into the international market. And one advantage I would say is there can actually be stability as much as there is instability. If you have an or you, you never have all your... Um, Eggs in one basket. If you can do it correctly, if you can Different have a good clients. mix of clients, yeah. you can survive the loss of one or two clients. Versus, if you get fired from a job, that's it. You need to start from scratch. So, yeah, there definitely, our our advantages, and I guess it really depends on what people are looking for. You know, a lot of uh, I think the majority of people are happier with a job. They want the kluszta at the end of the it's month. The they want everything taken care of. Um, and other people, I don't know. That's my for whatever reason. I think for me, I kind of uh, fell between the cracks in the Israeli job market to an extent. I think if you're an English speaker marketing, I find the opportunities kind of limited in-house. Like, you know, your, your average Israeli company might have one marketing person and it's hard to kind of see what the, uh, what the path forward is. Uh, so for some people, I think their career aspirations are better matched by actually going down the my route, but yeah, it's a, it's a more difficult journey for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great, great uh, way to end it because I think so many olim are concerned about uh, you know what. Where do I see fit? And there are creative solutions. There are all kinds of uh, different opportunities from Israel. It's getting easier now. I think that that the world that's it. I think it's getting remote.
1: easier, and I think yeah. I personally really support support it with all those like disclaimers that I said. I think it actually is a great way to put Israel on the map. The more the more people are doing this, and we talked a lot about the international aspect. The more people do this, the more companies in London say, hey, I work with this guy Aaron on my finances. He was really sharp. You know, they had a good experience. They recommend you. It, it, it's, it's actually in all of our benefit. The more Israeli Asmaim work, work with the world, we build <laughs> community among ourselves, I think it can be a really, really good. We can provide another solution for uh, Israeli, sorry, for Olim Khadashim, English speakers, to make this work. Yeah. Um, and I think it's whatever works best for it- the person.
0: Awesome. So, tell us more where we can follow you and where we can see your, uh, you know, your great writings, videos, and and all kinds of uh, new, yeah, new yeah, ideas yeah, that you're yeah, coming yeah, yeah. out with soon.
1: Right. I I told you I was, I, I wanted to to come onto this to uh, just to share a bit about that. that's my experience. So there, I'm not selling anything. All I would, um, the the only, <laughs> the only thing I will push is my YouTube channel because that's my current. Uh, I I did a lot of writing and I always was intrigued by the idea of video and I think I just didn't have. The self-confidence until recently to to try to pull it off. So um, I'm on YouTube. The, the channel is very uncreatively called Daniel Rosell. So it's just my name. Nice. Uh, but you can watch my uh, somewhat wacky videos about various subjects like technology. Uh, I work with uh, Tim Lashinsky, Jerusalem's favorite food influencer. Ah, <laughs> oh yeah. So it's a real mixed bag. I'll probably do a more focused channel in the future. But for for now, uh, yeah, check out my YouTube channel if you're interested.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and have a wonderful day.
1: Thanks very much. I appreciate it.